the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. And this is episode number 164 and part of our multifamily brief series. Well, today is a big day for us. We should close on a property today. It's going to be our ninth multifamily property, and we're very excited to add it to the portfolio, and we're excited to begin our scheduled renovations. Um, We're also very excited and and grateful for our investors who who invested with us on this deal. Um, The current deal, it's a 144-unit apartment in Florence, South Carolina, which is a smaller city, but it's a city that the Milken Institute has recently tagged as one of the fastest-growing small cities in the nation. Now, the property is currently at nearly 100% occupancy. There are two down units that are not occupied. Everything else, 100% leased out right now. So, the previous owner purchased this property about three years ago and renovated 60 of the 144 units, um, well, the interiors of the units. And we're going to pick up where they left off on the interior renovations. We're also going to do a lot of projects to improve curb appeal, including repaving the parking lot, improving landscaping, and cleaning and touching up the exteriors of the buildings. Now, one thing that is notable about this property is there are a number of multifamily properties in Florence, South Carolina, looking at all of the comps, you know, pulling a co-star report on this and seeing where everything else is rent-wise, this one is at the bottom of the barrel. It has a number of one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom, and even four-bedroom units. And across the board, the rents are the lowest in the city. So there's definitely some room to, to bring the rents up to market value. Obviously, in order to do that, we've got to make it look nicer. We've got to bring it up to um, the same level as all the comps around it. And by doing so, we think we're going to be able to raise the rents by up to 100 maybe a little more dollars, depending on the unit size um, and, and, and configuration. But a few notes that uh, I'd like to make after I've reflected on this deal. Uh, as most people know, it's hard to find good deals right now. The last property we closed on was in December of 2020. And a lot of people said 2020 was hard to find deals, but we were able to close on not one, not two, but five properties in 2020. And, you know, we have gone seven months without closing on a property. So, you know, for us, it's been a little bit of a slump, but it hasn't been because we haven't been looking for deals. You know, we are looking at far more deals right now and putting in far more offers for everything that gets accepted. Um, Funny though, I interviewed somebody in the podcast last month and he said he had a hard time finding good deals in 2014 too. So it helped me put things into perspective. And I realized that I was saying the same thing when I started looking in 2018. Now, I'm not saying we should just throw caution to the wind and assume things are going to be good like they have for the past decade. Um, You know, once again, we are looking at many more deals before we find something that we like. So I can say that the market is indeed more competitive. So when making offers, we have to do something to make our offers stand out. And that's really the hard part. How do you make your offer stand out? I think end of the day, the offer must have a competitive price. I don't think everything's going, I don't think it's always the highest priced offer that's getting accepted, but you have to have a competitive price and you have to give the broker and the seller the reassurance that the team will actually close and close on time. So when making offers, you have to do something to make your offer stand out. Now, some people include hard money day one. 
Um, others will run shorter due diligence periods. You know, either way, if you're willing to, to compromise a little bit on one of these factors, you know, it shows to the seller that you're serious. And it also gives the seller the reassurance that if you do back out, they're going to pocket a little bit of your money as a compensation for that. So do we like putting hard money down day one? Not really, but if if the deal's right and everything else looks right and we've done our homework, uh, we're okay doing that. Um, now, the other thing that I've noticed is, is our capital raise. You know, even though we haven't done a deal or had a deal closed in the last six months, we haven't raised capital. Our capital raising train was still running strong. We're still doing all the things we normally do, including our social media outreach, emails to our distribution list, calls with previous investors and potential investors alike, and, and all the things that we've normally done. And what we found is our cumulative efforts over the past years have really paid off. We ended up hitting our raise amount in a single day and only with email communication. In fact, it looks like we oversubscribed, but we're waiting for the dust to settle on closing to figure out exactly where we're at. And like I said, we should close within a couple of hours and um, we'll, we'll know exactly what things look like then. So hopefully for the aspiring investors out there, this gives you a little bit hope that if you keep getting forward, things are going to get better. Things are going to get easier. Our first capital raise was much more difficult. It was not much less. It was 1.8 million on this one. We we were shooting for, you know, mid mid to high 2 million mark. Um, and that first raise took us several months and it was difficult and maybe a little bit stressful, but it really came down to the wire. It came down to the last minute. Now, a few years later and hundreds of hours spent producing content and talking with potential investors and networking with people has finally paid off. And this raise was smooth and not very stressful at all. Now, the next thing I'll note is about the prices. A lot of factors have pushed prices up, which is making deals seem overpriced and out of reach. You know, the market has been flooded with cash from the trillions of dollars in stimulus packages from the federal government. Um, in fact, the CPI increase, which is what the Fed used to measure the inflation rate, um, in the last 12 months was 5.4%, which means the average price of goods and services is, is just over 5% higher than it was a year ago. Um, I think we're going to see a higher than average inflation rate over the next year. And as most people know, inflation pushes real estate prices up. You know, construction material shortages have also led to higher construction prices, which has slowed down construction. And it's made existing housing units more expensive, including apartments, as new construction is not adding to the new supply like it usually does to counter the demand. Now, I do think there's still a lot of room for real estate prices to go up especially with the current housing shortage. A recent study indicated the U.S. is about 5.5 million housing units short of the current demand, and it also said it's going to take about a decade to bridge that gap. And that's if we are putting up new housing units at our peak efficiency. Now, there's other demographic trends that still favor certain metros. You know, we're seeing a huge influx of people in the southeast, especially in South Carolina, in Texas, and in the Intermountain West. In general, people are living the high cost of living states like California and New York for cities and states that are more affordable. This trend is also true for people moving from high population densities to low population densities where there's less congestion and more freedom of movement. And the other thing that a lot of people are doing is they're moving from cooler areas to warmer areas. So moving from north to south. So all in all, there's still going to be opportunity in the future for apartment investing, as long as you're paying attention to the trends and you're investing in the places that make sense. 
And we are still optimistic on where the market's going and where it's going to be. We're still in buying mode, but we're definitely sharpening our pencil on every deal. We're definitely double-checking everything and making sure that all of the things, all of our assumptions are validated before we go through with a deal. Now, just a little shameless plug for our tribe of titans. You know, what you've heard on this podcast over and over again, our analysis of what's happening and our, our recommendations of what's going on in the future, what to do. You'll find that and a lot more in our Tribe of Titans. I go into a lot more detail on things like that in our Tribe of Titans platform. So definitely check that out. It's in the show notes. It's in the pre, pre-recording role on every episode. But definitely check it out and you'll find a lot more of the Four Oaks Capital Gang inside that, uh, that network itself. Stay tuned till Friday. We've got another Ask the Expert episode coming out. It's going to be great. Got Sterling White and Marcellus McKinley and you don't want to miss it. And we'll see you then. for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.